Hello, welcome to the Exposure Ninja podcast. My name's Tim, I run Exposure Ninja, which is a digital marketing company based in the UK. This show is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales through your website. And in this episode, I'm joined by Dixon Jones, from Majestic. Now Majestic is a tool that uh, it's really a kind of industry standard tool in SEO and I wanted to bring Dixon on. Um, He's been part of Majestic since it started. He's now stepped away um, but he's been responsible in a large part for the growth from Majestic being a tool that someone built in their bedrooms to being kind of industry standard tool. So I wanted to bring him on not just to talk about Majestic and SEO but actually how to build a business and a tool that can become industry standard. For a lot of SaaS businesses, uh, software companies, that is the goal, isn't it? The goal is to become one of the two or three most authoritative tools in the space. Dixon has done that with Majestic. Um, he really, really interesting guy. He's super down to earth, so don't let that fool you. This guy's a marketing beast. Um, and what they've done with Majestic over the years is, is just incredible. Um, so I hope you find it really useful. If you're listening to this, on the audio then you can also check out the video on YouTube so just go to YouTube and search for Exposure Ninja Podcast and you will find us. Don't forget if you need some help with your digital marketing then my company Exposure Ninja we do digital marketing for businesses of all shapes and sizes we're known for our SEO content marketing we build websites do pay-per-click and Facebook ads as well. We do something or we offer something called a free website and marketing review. Now this review is a chance for you to find out where the the areas of greatest untapped potential lie for your business online. So when you fill in the form on our website, what will happen is one of our team will record you a video, usually a 15 minute video, and they'll show you not only what are the areas of low hanging fruit on your website, but actually how are your competitors generating leads and sales? What are the traffic sources that they're using? And what could you tweak about your own website and digital marketing to get more business through your site? That's really the focus of the review. How can you get more leads and sales? Now this review is completely free of charge. There's no obligation, there's no sneaky tricks or anything like that and as I say it's delivered as a 15 minute video usually within a few days. If you are interested in requesting a free review for your site then you can go to exposureninja.com forward slash review that's exposureninja.com forward slash review we just ask a few questions about the business and about your marketing goals and then we'll send your review over to you within a few days. So definitely do that I hope you enjoy the show with Dixon Jones and if you've got any questions feel free to tweet us at exposureninja. Dixon, welcome to the show. Hi, Tim. How are you? Very good, thank you. Very good. Welcome to 2019. Yeah, it goes quick, doesn't it? Sure does. Um, So as you know, in this show, we go behind the scenes of a particular marketing channel, campaign or strategy that you've used to grow a business. We'll find out what you did, how well it worked and what you learned. Ready to lift the curtain? Let's see where we go. Awesome. So um, you are responsible in a large part for the marketing of Majestic, right? So maybe you could give uh, those who follow the podcast who don't know what Majestic is, which I think would be a very small number, a bit of a run through about what Majestic is and how it makes money. Sure. Okay. So uh, to, to be clear, I've, I've actually stepped back from the frontline stuff here. So uh, I, 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 I stepped back in November, but that was really after around about nearly a decade of getting Majestic from bedroom to boardroom, as, as I like to put it. Um, and Majestic crawls the web just like Google does. Uh, and uh, often faster than most of the major search engines. Uh, 
But instead of looking at all the content on a web page, uh, it looks at the links on a web page and then it inverts the entire index. So what we show you is every page that links to any page you put into the system. So you can put it in any, any web page, any website. You know, we don't have to look it up afterwards. It's, you know, we've crawled the web already. Uh, and we can show you how many links there are, where the links are, what the context of that link is, the anchor text of that link, and how strong the link is. And it's a subscription service? Yeah, you can, you can still get, uh, if you work really hard, you can get some information yourself for free on, on your own websites for free. Uh, I think you sort of verified them in, uh, in, in using Google Webmaster Tools. Um, but uh, usually it's a, a low-cost free, uh, a low-cost subscription service, so a monthly fee. And then you get it for any website in the world. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the the tools in the SEO's toolbox, isn't it? Like a plumber's going to have a spanner and a hammer and a screwdriver. It's one of the top main tools that people would use. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. You know, you might you might have more than one spanner, but you know, yeah. you definitely need these things. And uh, certainly, you know, there's only three real data sources of this type in the world that you can get your hands on. Um, and uh, Majestic is certainly, you know, a ma one of the majors, if not the major, depending on how you look at it. Um, so, so uh, yeah, you, you definitely need one or more linked data sources if you're going to do SEO properly. So you've been partly responsible or, or heavily responsible for making something a kind of industry standard. I don't know if you take the credit for it. But... I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll take some of the credit. I mean, I didn't, don't get me wrong. I'm not the programmer, so you know. Uh, so and I'm, I'm, the, I'm the, I've been, I've been the face of Majestic, not the, uh, not the, the meat, so to speak. Uh, but there's some real geniuses in in Majestic who have put together um, the ability to crawl the web at such a big pace, uh, and and pretty much, you know, in the early days, there was ourselves and, and Moz were out there. Um, and uh, so we sort of competed with each other with their Open Site Explorer. Um, we kind of beat them on volume and stuff, and and, and uh, they sort of moved in a slightly more fuller direction uh, in terms of a full service, you know, rank checking and other kind of system. We focused on the links. Then you've got, um, you know, Ahrefs came along and they started, you know, working as well. And they've also gone into a more full service kind of uh, pr proposition. So that that leaves us as the the guys that are focusing, you know, almost entirely on the link graph. Um, and that's where we've where we have set a sort of standard, I think, is in our flow metrics, um, because we've made use of a fairly clever algorithm, I think, to give us a really good understanding of the quality of a link. Um, and it's not based on, you know, opinion. It's based on a mathematical formula, um, but it it correlates quite well. We know to the to the original PageRank um, concept, and. Uh, and in many ways, we've improved upon it just because, you know, it's 20 years later now. So you can do better maths in the time. For sure. I want to ask you about the decision to stay focused on links a little bit later. Yeah. But just okay. talking about the, the growth and how you've built a tool, because it's what everybody wants to do. Everybody wants to be in the toolbox for their customers, don't they? Everyone who's running a SaaS business. So what are some of the marketing strategies that you've used along the way? And, and what have been some of the kind of big rocks that have made the biggest difference for you? 
I think the the main one that we used that was that was really, really effective, especially in the early days, was developing out what I called the ambassador program. So I started that even before I was full time marketing director at Majestic. Well, I was marketing director, but not full time. I was working through my agency, which I had at the time, which was kind of like doing all the marketing for, for, for Majestic. And Majestic at the time was ultimately, you know, one guy in his bedroom still at that particular point. Um, but uh, so we didn't have a huge amount of budget. In fact, we have very little budget. In fact, you know, our agency was working on a performance-based model, not on a you know day rate model. Uh, and uh, and so what we did was we looked at the very few customers that that had at that sort of time, and there were a few that had got it. You know, like I like I got it, and why I wanted to get so involved with Majestic. Uh, there are a few others around the world that had got it, and so we talked with those guys and. Um, Brought them to the fore, so you know, gave them a lot of resources uh, to encourage them to talk about Majestic, uh, and we used them to help developers in countries. So we had ambassadors in each of the countries that, that we uh, that we concentrated on, um, who were able to sing our praises, but also were influencers enough in their own right within the SEO industry to um, to carry some gravitas, uh, and uh, and then we had them come to conferences with us. They looked after our stands at conferences. So maybe I was there with the US ambassador or the Italian ambassador and stuff. And uh, the great thing about that was we then had effectively our customers on our stands for us, which uh, which worked well for both sides because they got to go to a conference that, you know, maybe they had to fly halfway across America and stay up in a hotel. So we were paying for all of that for them, you know, which we'd have to do if we were paying somebody that we just hired in anyway, you know, but these guys really knew the product and they really loved the product. And that was infectious on the stands or that was infectious at conferences, whether they were speaking or, 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 or looking after stands. And so that helped us to develop the, um, the network on a global basis because the thing about a Majestic's tool set is that you need to crawl the whole world to get the data. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to crawl these pages in this sector. That won't work. So you've actually got to do a global crawl, which means you do need a global audience to get enough customers to pay for the cost of doing that. I see. I see. It sounds like every business's dream to have your customers willingly man your stands at trade shows and do your marketing for you. How did you have to incentivize these people to do it? Was it enough just to fly them to a trade show and give them a well, ticket? Depend, depending on who the person was and, 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 and where you did it. And, and those relationships are very individual. Some of them did it because they knew me. Some of them did it because they wanted to get the product for free. Some of them did it because they, um, you know, they, because they wanted to be on a, on a retainer. So we could, we did all sorts of things, but I think the, I think the bit that people enjoyed, regardless of what the commercial arrangements were, the bit that people enjoyed is, uh, being part of something that is bigger within the industry and actually being part of that, that journey was, was fun for, for, for all of us, for, for, for quite a, quite a long time, really. Um, we kind of enjoyed knowing that we had a tool that, you know, wasn't just, um, wasn't just a, a piece of kit that you could get off the shelf. It was something that really did have a completely different view of the internet. Um, and we knew how big the, uh, the data set was, um, and we knew how exciting it was and how difficult it would be for anybody else to make that kind of thing. You can't just wake up one morning. In fact, there was a, um, 
there was on Upwork or one of the uh, the freelancer systems, somebody put up a system saying, I would like uh, a job saying, I would like someone to, to build me something like uh, Majestic um, budget $500 or something like that. <laughs> Uh, and uh, that made for a very entertaining blog post, I have to say. <laughs> they took it down. <laughs> so you were running influencer marketing before influencer marketing was a thing, essentially. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's fair to say. And I think it was very, very successful in those days. And I didn't you know, when I hear about influencer marketing being talked about now, they're really talking about trying to grab, you know, great big Kardashian stars and things like that. I don't think that's where I'm influencer marketing was for me it was really finding the right person to love the product that 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 we were involved with um and you know there was only one in each country really well maybe in the states a few more but it's, uh, but mostly it was one person in each country did the job for us uh, and if i'd spread myself too thin i think i would have done a disservice to the ambassadors as well as to the brand for sure for sure other marketing channels that you might have used? I mean, I've got to ask you, how important has SEO been to the growth of Majestic? Uh, well, SEO was important for a large amount of time. We, we, I mean, we were um, top three for the phrase SEO for a long time. Um, and we, but, but we changed our brand name from MajesticSEO.com to Majestic.com. So I wrote a blog post just before we did that saying, you know, this, this space for sale on the SERPs because I knew we were going to lose it. Uh, and we uh, and we did uh, spectacularly, and actually uh, we we um, we had some HRF Lang um, issues as a, 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 after that, uh, which um, you know I should have should have sold earlier really. Um, so, but but at the same time, by changing our brand to from Majestic SEO to Majestic, it elevated our brand status hugely, which was increasingly important in in search anyway. Uh, I think if you don't have a brand uh, it's getting harder and harder and harder you know um so uh it was we had to do a little bit of a trade-off at, at one point so seo was important for a while uh, and from our custom point of view it's very very important but building up that brand was more important because there are more than three you know link tools out there um but there are only three with any you know any real gravitas i would say at this stage uh, that said there's a lot of lot of people that are using our data in, in tools so you know there's big companies like you know the bright edges of this world that you know that will use our data in in their suites as well so our data probably propagates further than many people realize how do you um when we're talking about influencer marketing it can be one of those channels that's maybe a little bit difficult to track um, and I know also you've done a lot of promotion at conferences and sponsoring and, and that type of thing. So a lot of SaaS businesses these days will focus very narrowly on, on CPA and exactly what they're getting from each channel. How did you mm. balance that need with just the desire to increase visibility in the industry as a whole? I do a presentation actually on, on, on that, which is really about tying in the influencers in the timeline of when you've got new content coming out. And for us, new content was new product. So if it's not, for me over those times, it was about when we've got a new uh, a new, a new product or new feature coming out in the, in the tool set. Um, what I did was a very specific uh, launch sequence. So uh, the guys would say, right, we're in beta. You know, the guys, development guys would say, right, we're in beta. So we could have a proper good look at it. I could take screenshots of it. I could, um, you know, build a story around it. I would then write the blog post that was going to come out in a week or so um, and 
then I would also write a press release for it. But the press release wasn't one that goes out to you know PR Week and you know loads and loads of other loads and loads of people. It would go out to maybe um, ten people. You know, Search Engine Journal, Search Engine Land, um, Barry Schwartz. Got to give it to Barry Schwartz in my world. Um, you know, uh, you know, maybe Webmaster World. You know, there's pe- people like, people like that. But even before I gave it out to those people. I would share it with the ambassadors. So the ambassadors had access to the beta, um, so they already had a, a head start, really. Mm. Um, also, I let them and the uh, and the sort of ten PR people that I sent things out to know when the blog post was going to come out, what URL it was going to come out on, um, and uh, and also help the uh, help those those. PR outlets know where they could find local experts, i.e. my ambassadors as well, as well if they have more, more questions. So that when we went live with a blog post, often as not, other people would go live about the same time or even earlier, um, certainly within seconds if they, because they'd have got, so they'd written out their, mm. their piece about the new thing. Uh, and and then my my ambassadors and the, and the PR team really were, were, were able to be at the forefront of the idea because what I think is bad is when you launch a new product and you say, hey, we've got a new product and you're the only person with the voice. Yeah. Uh, much better if somebody else, preferably somebody else more independent than you, is talking about it first. So uh, to give up the vanity of people seeing it on your own blog in mm. favor of people seeing the information on, um, on probably a more authoritative or independent source is is well worth doing and it's well worth getting that timing right uh and that worked pretty well for me most of the time uh because ultimately we had the functionality so it didn't matter where the story went you know all roads lead to the actual functionality itself i imagine it's different if you're you know trying to do research or you're putting out um just just words um that makes it a much more difficult uh, game but if you've got a product or if you have the aeroplane that flies from london to new york and you you know and you fly it backwards or something then you know they're going to get to your aeroplane yeah. so it's the same sort of thing with content really content really needs to lead to something physical yeah um, yeah and, and when you'd release a post like that would you be tracking the conversions that are coming in from all of these different ambassadors so you could think about that when you're thinking about how to reward them or uh, well, no, I never. I, I, we did in the very early stages try and work on a uh, a reward system that was based on you know you're the ambassador for this country, so therefore the increase in revenues in that country may may reflect on a deal. Uh, I found that incredibly difficult uh, to um, uh, to work. I could have made that work, to be fair, because I could have done it by country and I could have worked out the sales by country and we did work out the sales by country. The problem was that um, we, we set up a system that, that might give away too much of the too much of the business model for us to properly be able to use um, because, of course, the ambassadors are free to do what they like. So it doesn't really you can you can only share so much of the of the, of the business of that, uh, in that in that system. So. Uh, but also um, the ambassadors really were not doing it specifically for the money. They were doing it for the community and, and because, you know, everyone was enjoying it. So uh, they they were doing it because they got a chance to be ahead of the game, ahead of the knowledge curve 
really in the industry and and i think we we helped them to get customers certainly when they were on the stands they were getting customers for themselves at the same time as getting customers for us um so so it kind of worked um to everyone's uh, advantage uh the the launch of a new uh, of a new feature though you could tell the difference very very clearly between launching a new feature and you know going a traditional way of just telling people on your blog um uh, or sending out press release after the event and stuff and this this other way around of making sure the influencers were the ones that were telling the story first the difference in um in signups was was significant and you spot that literally the next day when you see the signups that's awesome i love that it's like you say it's it's when you've got a piece of new info you want to be the one who shares it don't you so you've actually got to step back and give it to other people first which is really scary to do yeah and yeah that's absolutely and that's the trick and people just you know two things step in the way vanity you want to Mm -hmm. do it yourself because it's your your story big announcement the steve jobs on stage (laughs) absolutely um uh, you know and uh, so so that vanity is 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 not a great thing but the second thing is is really uh you're you're actually demeaning your own story if you're the one that's telling the story you know it's mm-hmm. much better if the bbc tell me that i'm you know okay that's that's great if i tell me i'm okay then no, that's really crap <laughs> yeah yeah so talking about you being great um i know that you <laughs> <laughs> see yeah that's where we've done it well so done. going <laughs> straight into <laughs> you, you do a lot of talking around the world at conferences um and also on podcasts like this. So it's easy to go down a rabbit hole and spend your entire life doing podcasts, you know, even without the speaking engagement. So what are your criteria for choosing which speaking opportunities you take versus which you politely decline? Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, there's, there's history over the years. So knowing who's running the events is a, is a, is a biggie uh, and knowing the history of the events is a biggie. So, you know, if I can, if I can talk at Brighton SEO or if I can talk at PubCon Vegas, then, you know, I'm going to do those because I know how big those conferences are. Uh, what's interesting, though, is that certainly it's not the size of the conference that has made the, uh, the impact. I've, I've done conferences in, uh, I remember doing one in Shanghai with, uh, with uh, about, you know, probably less than 100 people there i went all the way to shanghai to do it because i'm trying to break into china uh not so successfully um and, google couldn't manage it <laughs> sorry google yeah. couldn't manage it <laughs> no oh, we, we we do have customers in china for sure um you know and and it and it definitely worked uh but um it's it's really how how targeted the conference is t- towards uh, search engine optimization over the years has been particularly important. So it's the it's the target because it's not just the conference itself. Uh, if you do a good presentation that comes across well, then you can use that presentation um, quite effectively on, on on other things afterwards. So people are tweeting about it, but then also you, um, uh, what I did, for example, in Vegas last year at PubCon was I talked about PageRank um, and uh, it was a very, very good um, uh, feedback from, from the presentation. So I recorded the presentation on a thing like this with screencasting and stuff like that, put it up as a video and it was showing uh, visually how PageRank all worked. And then in the, in the middle of that presentation as well, it said, if you want the spreadsheets that, that back that up, you know, email, you know, talk at, you know, majestic.com or talk at dixonjones.com uh, with the word 
page rank in the title and we'll, we'll send you the whole spreadsheet and things. So um, that was a way to further engage people as well. That then takes the work that you've done for preparing for the, for the presentation onto a different level. And actually you can get a lot more people in the follow-up than you actually had in the audience at the time. So uh, it's not necessarily the number of people, but it does help if the quality of the people is, is, is right. And it's quality of the speakers because the speakers going to these events, it's networking with the speakers. And I don't just mean speakers, it's, it's networking with the people that are influencers out there uh, and making sure that they are aware of the product, um, have every access you can get, get for, to them for the product uh, without, you know, obviously giving your, uh, giving your business away for free. Um, and, uh, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean that the audience is the important part. It does really help when you've got a big audience that are engaged, you know. <laughs> uh, and then when it comes to podcasts and things, um, uh, again, well, on this one, for example, I, I had a look at the um, the other podcasts that, that, that Exposure Ninja had up, and I found other other um, speakers that were had done podcasts on, on Exposure Ninja, and I actually contacted a couple of them and uh, asked them, you know, what kind of what kind of, <laughs> what kind of experience they've had. So I actually interviewed. And you're you. still here. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, they 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 told me that if I didn't, you you uh, you. Yeah, record. things get nasty. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, it's great that you do that level of, uh, that level of feedback. I think there's a, a perception that any interview or someone's willing to interview me, it comes back to the ego thing, then it's got to be a good thing. And you, after six months of doing podcasts that get zero listeners, you're like, oh, actually, hold on, this is a terrible use of my time. Yeah, yeah, that, that can happen. Um, but, but at the same time, I don't think you want to, um, not go for an interview if if the interview is is well-meaning and targeted and 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 trying trying to develop in a in the right kind of way then that's good where i have gone wrong is yes i have accepted interviews uh where actually the interviewee and interviewer probably was on the wrong side of the black hat white hat divide um and that's fine i'm happy to chat with black hats in a pub um but if i chat with black hats on a on a on a video then that reflects on the brand and i think that's something that everyone should be should be quite careful of you can decide if you're if you're in the black hat world then you know fine be in the black hat world uh, but if you want to build a brand that's going to start to stand the test of time that's a dangerous place to be. I mean, you can, you know, there's, there's plenty of people that you'd say, well, you know, you're on, you're on the, uh, the, the devil's side of this product, you know, <laughs> and still making a living at it. But, you know, I don't think you're going to sell on the NASDAQ. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It has to be consistent, doesn't it? I guess the dentist is never going to yeah. talk at the sweet convention. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't get too far off topic. Yeah, yeah. And, Although and I'm often guilty of that. <laughs> how intentional are you? I hear you say a lot about awareness of Majestic, and clearly a lot of the marketing you do is about just raising visibility as a whole. Do you have a pitch on stage? Go and get your free trial, or go and sign up now. That doesn't seem to be the approach that you take. I I, I certainly used to at the start. Uh, I used I certainly used to give people a free trial, and and we actually stopped having free trials on the website. So you had to come to a conference to be able to get the free trial. Um, uh, but um, clearly, I actually always differentiated. Um, between events where we were sponsors and events where I was just a speaker. Uh, if I was just a speaker, I, I felt my obligation was 
to the conference and to the and to the audience. Uh, if I was also paying, then I would make it clear that I was a sponsor at the event. I would still try and run the same kind of contact, but I would, you know, happily have another slide that talked about the the free trial or whatever uh, within there as well. And, and I think, um, I, I mean, I was I have been at an advantage because you know people wanted to know about the product, and as you say, by making it a staple tool in the uh, in the SEO armory and then only going to SEO places then it uh, it you know people wanted to know the inner workings of it quite a lot so got away with quite a bit if you go to a broader conference a broader marketing conference it's much worse to do that it's a it becomes cross as really bad because 80% of the audience are actually just bloggers i say just bloggers they're bloggers or they're ppc or they're you know video editing whiz kids and stuff and you, just, you then just come across as a complete numpty. Uh, but if you've targeted your conferences right, and if 80% of that audience knows who's Majestic is before they, 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 they start, and over half of them are already Majestic users, then you know they, they're there because they're expecting to hear Majestic in the backdrop of, 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 of who I am. So you have, to, you have to look at your audience each time. Um, to get that to get that balance right, because I also I I remember going to one one in Poland, and um, making an effort not to talk about Majestic too much, and you know they got really angry because because uh, I hadn't talked about Majestic, and you know that's what they wanted me out there for, you know, and they'd they'd effectively pay for my flight and everything to get there, and then oh you know, so uh, that's fine. I came so back. Fine, next I'll go and pitch everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Now, yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that you you tailor your content for the audience. Yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to move on to asking you about niching um, and how broad you go with the product. It's quite a one of the questions we always have with clients is whether we go for a specific audience and how how quickly they expand their product. So you mentioned at the start that Majestic has always focused on links while other tools have not only broadened out from just looking at links, but look at rankings, look at social, look at PPC. How have you decided to focus purely on links? Have there ever been any times of regret and was there any conflict inside Majestic about that? That's, that's a really insightful question i have to say oh, uh, uh you know uh which which um uh, is um worthy a little bit of thought for answer yes we have focused on links and yes that's been a very conscious decision um the there are a number of reasons for doing that the first was um that uh, we have a very strong api and so that's being used by you know Bright Edge, SEO Clarity, uh, LinkedIn used it, Authoritas, um, you know, it's in link research tools. And there's the other major players in the industry are using the API um, and they're using it in commercial products, which do extend to the full suite, you know, service products. So if we were to develop into a full suite product uh, and start doing rank checking and things, then um, we would have started to encroach on what are on, on some of our biggest customers um, marketplace, if you see what I mean. So that was a good reason for not jumping into a full service suite. The other uh, good reason is that we um, have a service level agreement with 
uh, with customers that you know uh, particularly with with api users but but with all of our customers to carry on producing you know, the the data without without the site crashing or without um other people changing systems so if if we were doing rank checking and then google suddenly make it very difficult to do rank checking you know we could see our product having problems at that point because ultimately we don't control control that data source uh, and a very good example of that was uh, Twitter really messing up, you know, everybody's Twitter APIs and even Google. They took away Google's for a while. I don't know if you remember, um, but you know, Google were you know, reportedly paying Twitter a million dollars a year to be able to put tweets on the top of their, their systems. And then all of a sudden Twitter said, now we're changing this all around. And they, they started buying up a few of the companies that, 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 that were doing the, uh, the Twitter API feed and then dumping everybody else out of it. They, they really controlled their own data source. And I think the Majestic are the same, same principle. We want to own the data that we're selling to our customers. And in order to do that, we have to have got it from first principles, which is why we crawl the internet. It's why we don't um, we don't um, disobey robots.txt. It's why we don't scrape Google results. Um, and it gives us a securer product, mm. I think, in the end. It's narrower, and that means that we're focusing on one area so we can be, you know, we can be best of breed in the link space. Uh, but, but you're right, ultimately, it probably costs our top line turnover, but I think it keeps our our margins and our competitiveness in what we're doing uh, strong. And it's not as if um, our data can't get into the full suite products. It yeah. goes into yeah. other full suite products. So I think we're quite happy with the decision. You know, uh, it may appear from the outside that we we lose ground as a result of that, but I think overall. Um, there's a lot of people, and certainly enough for us to, uh, to to be happy, that think, yeah, Majestica concentrating on the stuff that you know we can use and we will be able to use into the future. Yeah, there's always going to be a compromise, isn't there, when you choose to niche? Um, you, yeah. Any any concerns that Google would look at links slightly differently and look at branded mentions and stuff like that instead? Uh, well, we already um, have. Uh, we do we do look at. Um, uh, what we call citations where people mention domains or URLs, but don't link to them. Uh, so we do actually track that information. Um, uh, and, and certainly I think that there's, you know, a lot more going into Google than when we started. Mm. Uh, what we can do with our data set though, is um, raise our own um, uh, knowledge leadership, I suppose, to, to say, well, you know, regardless of Google, our link data set and the fact that we can show you how strong those links are um, really reflects on on the the strength of influence anyway. So if you've got links from uh, the BBC and you know and CNN and um, you know and the White House, um, then your competitors would like to know that regardless of what Google does. They yeah. want to know where your um, traffic is coming from because your traffic has to either be coming from Google. Or people clicking on, well, yeah, either either they're typing in exposureninja.com or whatever it may be, or they're clicking on a link. Mm. So that traffic is coming from links. You know, even search result ultimately at the end of the day is a link. So um, so links still are the only way people get around the internet practically. Mm. Um, so as long as our data is meaningful enough, then I think that that it will have legs. And you've got to remember as well that 
in getting all this data, we have one of the largest indexes of the internet on the planet. We don't have all the words on all those pages. We don't store that information, but we do have one of the largest indexes on the planet. And it's um, it's not as large as Google, but it's probably larger than Baidu's and Yandex's. You know, that's crazy. Just, yeah, it's it's huge. You know? <laughs> uh, so um, so it has a lot of value in any in any event. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, last section is when I ask you about successes and failures, and then we have some quick fire questions to finish. So successes and failures first. Any examples of marketing channels or campaigns which you thought were going to be, you know, absolute home run, but it ended up being a complete waste of time? So that's not so much a success as a failure. Yeah, that's so, a failure. So you're asking for me one that does both. Well, okay, let, let, uh, I'll go for one that I think was, was a spectacular success and possibly a failure, depending on your, your okay. perspective. <laughs> um, and I think that, uh, so some, some people may remember that uh, we printed a three- the visualization of the internet on the International Space Station, um, which is no mean feat. Um, so, so we uh, we made a deal with uh, a, a company associated with with NASA, uh, who were building a 3D printer that would would work in zero gravity, and they were putting it onto the space station. And we worked with them. Uh, so, I suppose we effectively sponsored them to take it up into in, onto the space station. And its primarily primary role is to make widgets and screws and things to patch up the, the space station. So, you know, that's its primary role. When it's not doing that, it's going to do proper serious experiments. And when it's not doing that, then it'll start doing things like printing the internet in space. <laughs> um, and, and so we'd already, we'd already developed a program that would, that would create 3D visualizations of the internet and, uh, and websites and web pages. And if you go back in the blogs and stuff, there's still some software you can download from, from the, the site that will allow you to build a 3D visualization of your own web page on 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 um, uh, on a 3D printer. So we then just wrapped that up and and uh, and took it up to to uh, the internet and did it with the whole internet and the same sort of same file. Um, and then that actually came back down to earth and landed somewhere in the Pacific and we eventually got it all the way back and it actually arrived back. Two days before I did a, a, a TED talk on the subject, which is TEDx, sorry, not TED talk, you know, don't oversell it. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, so, so it was great. But that was a, a brilliant, you know, finale to, uh, to, to, to a, a really long two or three year campaign. So it was a success in that um, it helped us demonstrate that we were more than just a link company, that we were a, a knowledge first um, and a, a knowledge leader, um, and that we were ambitious. Uh, but of course, it did go quite a long way from the idea of link analysis. So it, it raised our brand and our profile, but not necessarily with our core audience. And with you know, so so it, it was a long way from being able to tie that to CPA, for example. So uh, so I, I'm really pleased that we did it. But uh, would you do it, it again? It, well, I certainly wouldn't do that again, um, because it's done now, you know, we yeah, were the yeah. first to ever print, uh, commercially print uh, an object in space, where well, uh, any British company, anyway, um, and certainly amongst the uh, so uh, amongst the first in the world. Um, so I wouldn't do that again. Uh, I think that um, Majestic, as a rule, doesn't um, doesn't want to spend a lot of time going too far from the tree. So we'll uh, we'll try and make sure that it clearly 
plays to our to our core values. I think uh, if we do a campaign, then uh, it's more likely to be based around showing link relationships and showing, you know, showing stuff that Eve easily identifies back to the Majestic product. Yeah. Anything that you've done, which you really didn't hold out much hope for, but it ended up being amazing? Um, well, the ambassador program was, was definitely the first one. Um, yeah. uh, you know what we did? A, yeah, we did a little thing. Um, uh, it's a clever thing that we do. So, so we have, um, we spent a lot of time uh, sponsoring hackathons. Um, and the reason that we sponsor hackathons is that they're generally students um, and we sort of give them the API and let them come up with different ideas and stuff. And, and then uh, it allows us to you know, see, the, see the students and see which ones really have got it. Mm. Um, and uh, we do this mostly from, from the university that we're, where we're based. Um, and uh, so we then you know, take a few of these and give them a, a three-month you know, internship as, uh, over the summer or you know, possibly longer internships. You know. And so we, we make a lot of use of trying to, to get to those people um, who are at, at Aston University in particular. Um, and then we, we set them up with a project. You know, so they, well, actually, we set them up with go and do what you like for three months. And um, the the original idea was to help them develop their skills and just be a good a good citizen, if you see what I mean. But one of the things they came up with with the first group we used was um, uh, a thing called which we called Social Explorer, which which would take what they did was they took the whole uh, of our URLs, our Twitter URLs. So you know we've got uh, we've got you know, billions of of Twitter Twitter URLs. Um, which are all um, uh, people essentially, twitter.com forward slash Dixon underscore Jones or Exposure Ninja, you know, and uh, and that's a, that's a URL. And of course, it's, it's got its own trust flow and its own citation flow. So they stripped out anything that wasn't a person or wasn't a, uh, a Twitter handle um, and then used that to create a static, admittedly, model of um, who was influential in what context. Um, and so it was a static file, um, but it was big data, and we could build a a, a little beta of a uh, of a sort of a, of a social explorer. We 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 produced it, uh, and uh, it really got people's attention. It really got people's attention. Um, so I I hope that uh, Majestic will will uh, will will make use of that in the future. Um, but certainly, uh, and you know, and uh, certainly that ability to put interns in and get them to go creative meant that they on more than one occasion came out with some really cool ideas that just showed how our data could go so much more than just be a link source even though that's you know what we specialize in that's awesome three quick fire questions to finish this is going to be bad isn't it it's going to be awful 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 <laughs> going back to the start of your career if you could only pick one marketing channel to go majestic what would it be um, okay. Um, well, I, the one that worked was the ambassador channel. Yep. Cool. If you absolutely had to 10x Majestic subscriptions, let's say you, they call you back and they're like, Dixon, we need you for one year. You've got to 10x our subscriptions in the next year, but you've got unlimited budget. Yep. What's the first thing that you think you'd do? The, the thing that I would do I, I think that the best way to increase um, uh, market share is is to increase um, feature f uh, feature releases. So I would um, 
in a, funnily enough, feeding the uh, the um, developer side of the budget is probably as effective as feeding the marketing side of the budget. If they're coming out with, you know, a with with a full text search or you know with uh, uh, market analysis suites or you know all these other products, then all these products will then start to talk, talk to larger and larger communities. Um, I think that if I was having to 10x it, then uh, I would be seriously looking at um, APIs, how I can how I can develop the APIs to go into markets that are already big. So, yeah. you know, um, to try and persuade Salesforce to put flow metrics into every single contact that's got a Twitter profile or whatever. Damn, um, that's you know, a I good idea. <laughs> that kind of thing would push us straight up and uh, and then, you know, we'd get a large amount of coverage yeah. very quickly, you know. So yeah. you'd be looking for a smaller number of big wins to do that then strategic partnerships i think yep. would be the way you know but that that doesn't always play well with majestic's core values of trying to own its 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 production line the whole way along um um so there's a trade-off there but yeah if you if you're going to make me do 10 times in a year then i think i'd i'd have to make deals with microsoft and twitter yeah. and, uh, and and google whoever's going to take the data really <laughs> Final question. If you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice on your first day, what would it be? Um, I don't know. I was quite happy with myself on the first day. Um, <laughs> uh, I, 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 it was, it was, you know, it was a few years in, I started to question <laughs> the things that I was doing. Uh, you know, at, at the start I, I, I worked well, uh, don't don't be afraid to take a risk i think uh but be aware that um others are much more worried to take a risk so uh, i'm i'm quite happy to step out and go onto a camera and make an idiot of myself but the brand and the people within the brand sometimes don't like that so uh so you've got to be careful and you've got to be aware of the different things that drive different people in an organization um even from quite a quite a small um small uh base uh oh i know what i would have done i would have said right what is our end goal here what is our what are, what is our 10-year goal here what is our five-year goal what is our end goal um and uh try to try to get that a bit more in writing not in writing but you know what i mean so formalized yeah yeah well i mean i mean you know when you start out you just want to grow you just want to grow you just want right. to grow, grow 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 but you don't necessarily know you know when to stop at that point um and so i think that probably defining that um would give you a little bit more focus on your goals at the start than you otherwise might have awesome dixon i've really enjoyed talking to you uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank we, you very much, Tim. We got there in the end. Where can people find out more about you? And if people are interested in working with you, what should they do? Okay, well, if they want to find out about me as an individual, uh, um, DixonJones.com is a good place to start. Uh, I'm now trying to get involved with other startups, other businesses that um, haven't yet gone to market. I'd like to do this, you know, all over again. If you've got something that you think needs to go to market, then I'm, I'd, I'd love to, you know, talk to you about, you know, whether I can do that. Obviously, if you want to get involved in Majestic, Majestic.com is is the place to go and just, uh, just, just have a look out. It's fairly obvious when you get there. <laughs> you can't miss it. Awesome. Thanks yeah. so much, Dixon. Tim, thank you very much. 